Hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast, or welcome if you are new here. If this is your first time joining, I'm so happy that you clicked on this episode. And to introduce myself and the podcast, my name is Mallory Page. I am a registered dietitian. I am the host and creator of this podcast, which has the intention of sharing from a non-diet perspective around topics such as wellness, nutrition, fitness, and current events, as well as even more. There is just a lot of diet culture noise out there, and I always hope that when you make a decision around your health, you can take in multiple perspectives rather than just one and make sure that whatever it is that you choose feels best for you which seems to be harder and harder every single day with how much is going on in the wellness space and social media. And I also feel like there's just this added pressure that many of my clients and peers have been talking about that comes along with the holidays, which I can't even believe that it is the holiday season already. I'm actually recording this on Halloween. So happy late Halloween to all that decided to celebrate. But I feel like Halloween is really kind of the first holiday and then we really dive into the full-blown holiday season with Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I just think there's a lot of weird narratives around what you need to do with your body and where your weight should be. And I know going into conversations with family or friends around these seasons can be really hard. And as I mentioned, I think these are made even harder by all of the content that comes up on social media of other people stressing about this or other people sharing what they are or are not doing or are or are not eating. And that was one of the things that inspired me to make this episode today. We have some really exciting podcast episodes coming up here soon on GMOs and bodybuilding and so much more. But today I wanted to do a more discussion-based episode on a topic that I've been seeing pop up everywhere on social media, which is no processed food, what I eat in a days. Now, before I dive into this, I have two different things I want to share. Number one, I have already done an episode on what I eat in a days. It was all the way back to the early days of the podcast. I'll link it down below. So you can listen to that episode if you want to hear more about my thoughts of what I on what I eat in a days in general. Number two, I have forgotten to bring up this really exciting opportunity for you guys. We are doing a completely free webinar for practitioners and students. So that would be dietitians, dietetics, therapists, nutrition coaches, health coaches, or anyone else in the health or mental health field on empowering clients to overcome food and body image issues. In order to do this, we're going to be giving out three frameworks and a ton of actionable tools that you can utilize within your work or even within your schooling to communicate with a client, a professional, or a peer around these topics. This webinar, it's short, it's condensed, it's concise, it is very actionable and practical, and it's happening very soon. At the time that you're listening to this, the webinar actually is live at 5.15 p.m. CST on November 2nd. If you're past that date, you can still click that link below and it will direct you to next steps that you can take, but highly suggest joining live if you can. So now that we have those announcements out of the way, 
let's just dive into this. As I mentioned, what I eat in a day in and of themselves are an entire topic, and I'm sure most of you guys know what the heck a what I eat in a day is or a day of eating. It's where someone goes through most of the time on social media, whether it be YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, etc., and shares everything that they eat in one particular day. Now, these videos have so much range to them in terms of how they show up and how someone presents them. Sometimes it will just be food. Sometimes it will be someone's body continuously in their food. Sometimes people will share their workouts and their food and how they make everything. I mean, it doesn't really matter, honestly, how it is shown, but it can affect the impact of the video. Now, this specific what I eat in a day that I want to talk about today is one that I've seen for years and years, but it's propped up more recently in a really frequent manner, which is the unprocessed or no processed food what I eat in a day. Now, you may be wondering, what does a what I eat in a day of unprocessed foods entail? And if that is what you're wondering, you are actually asking the perfect question because this is one of the main reasons why I want to discuss this. Now, I could go through and show you numerous examples of this type of what I eat in a day. TikTok seems to especially be a breeding ground for these right now. I was doing some research before this episode, and I noticed, interestingly enough, that on TikTok now, if you search what I eat in a day's, it actually comes up with a reminder about you are not your weight or remember to make sure to get support if you're struggling with body image. That was interesting to me because that hasn't been there that long. I know just a couple months ago or earlier this year, what I eat in a days weren't even something that had like reminders to them on TikTok. So, I wonder how effective those really are in changing how people view them, but still something I wanted to make note of. That being said, you still can see what I eat in a days when you search them up and you can find different variations of them by just adding the descriptor that you want to have. So in this case, I added no processed foods or unprocessed. And let me tell you, there are a lot of videos that you can go through. And if you were to scroll through these, you would see lots of different intros to them. Some of them say things like, what I eat in a day, no trashy, disgusting food. Some of them will say things like, how I eat unprocessed for a full day. Some will say, this is what I eat in a day without anything that is processed on my plate. And then the videos that follow this and the foods involved in those videos actually differ significantly. Now, there are sometimes themes to the content. You'll see a lot of people that will post food that would be considered in their mind, quote-unquote, real food. I say, quote-unquote, just because what does real food even mean? But in this case, it's typically produce, meat, sometimes grains, but that kind of depends. Things that would be considered more close to their whole form. Other times, though, it really isn't that way, and it's more so people avoiding things like gluten or dairy or sugar. 
Other times, it's someone that's following a specific type of diet, like a carnivore diet. Other times, it's people following a raw vegan diet. So my point with explaining this is that Although all of these videos are labeling themselves in the same way, the amount of variation is significant. So, of course, this variation can be due to the fact that everyone's going to have a different idea of what unprocessed means, just like everyone has a different idea of what healthy means. But it also has to do with the fact that the whole idea of an unprocessed or no processed food day of eating is in many senses a fallacy. And that's why I wanted to discuss this today. Now, before you guys think, Mallory, what the heck are you talking about? Of course, you can eat all unprocessed foods. We need to understand what processing means with food. So if you were to look up the definition of a processed food, you would find that it is any food that's changed from its natural state. This can include food that was cut, washed, heated, pasteurized, canned, cooked, frozen, dried, dehydrated, mixed, or packaged. It can also include food that has added preservatives, nutrients, flavors, salts, sugars, or fats. Now, even as I go through that, you may start to put processed food into multiple categories. Maybe you think, oh, well, a food that's processed by cutting it or washing it or heating it is different than a food that has something added to it, like preservatives or nutrients, flavors, salts, sugars, or fats. Or you may be even thinking, well, maybe there are also different layers to processed food because I've heard of things like ultra-processed food. And if you're thinking that way, you're definitely on to something. The United Nations actually has a food grouping scale called the NOVA food classification, and it puts food into four groups. Group one is unprocessed or minimally processed, so this would be something like fresh blueberries or roasted nuts or chopped vegetables. There's a group two, which is processed culinary ingredients, so this contains options like butter, oils, sugars, or salts. Group three is processed food, so this includes canned fish, fruits and syrups, bottled vegetables, cheese, fresh bread, or other things that have salt, oil, or sugar added to them. And then there's a group four, which is ultra-processed foods and drink products. This group contains foods that are typically a result of intensive manufacturing processes. There is a lot of variation to what this looks like. But typically, these foods include sugars, oils, fats, and salts, but they also may have other ingredients like casein or lactose or gluten or whey or hydrogenated oils, maltodextrin, high fructose corn syrup, etc., etc. Now, these classifications are important to keep in mind even as we go through the discussion about a processed food, what I eat in a day. Because they come into play when people are making arguments for and against sharing this type of content, and also in terms of classifying what a processed food really means. Because as you can imagine, processed foods from this definition are essentially every single thing that we eat. Unless you are growing something in your own garden picking it off of the vine or whatever else you can pick it off of, and then eating it, even without washing it, you are technically processing that food. Basically, every single thing that you would eat would be processed 
So even if you did eat every single thing from your own garden, if you're washing it or cutting it or heating it or doing anything else, you are still eating processed foods. Now, some people will talk about this specific argument, such as everything we eat is processed, and there will be pushback from these type of posts and accounts that share this type of stuff of, well, you know that I'm not mentioning those type of foods. I'm talking about foods that are super processed. But what's interesting is even if we were to take a step up from the group one processed foods that are unprocessed or minimally processed, Group two and group three have many foods that are still considered quote-unquote processed that people still categorize as unprocessed. Some of the main ones that come to mind for me are cheese or bottled vegetables or fresh bread. All of those foods that people are sharing still have to go under quite extensive processing in order to be made. I mean, as I was looking up the unprocessed food stuff for this episode, I saw things like unprocessed dairy products. And to me, it's, I understand why people have this desire to find those things because of what the internet is doing. But it is funny because we have to process dairy to some extent. Like, even if you are getting milk from a cow and then drinking it from that cow and it's raw and you decide you don't want to do pasteurization, which personally I wouldn't suggest because it's quite a risk in terms of bacteria from what we know, but do whatever you would like to do, there is still a level of processing that is happening to that. Now take that even further. Let's say you want raw cheese cheese in and of itself is processed because there's a process to getting milk into cheese. So I just think that it's so important to remember that this type of rhetoric around no processed foods in general is not only impossible, it also is just illogical because it doesn't make sense to try to recommend this to people because they wouldn't be eating anything. So, again, when people make this argument and even take it a step further with including the group two and group three processing of foods, some people then argue, well, I'm talking about ultra processed foods. I'm talking about foods that have gone through a bunch of processing and are bad for your health and have additives and all this stuff. Here is where the really interesting layers of this conversation come in, because I cannot tell you how many videos I see of people saying that they are eating totally unprocessed, and then the first food that they will show is a protein bar, or pre-workout, or some type of alternative milk, or greens powder, or supplements or any other type of thing that isn't even close to a quote-unquote natural, as in a food that we can find in nature, food. And I just want to make sure it's very clear. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to eat these things at all. There is nothing wrong with eating any of those things that I just mentioned. But we need to illuminate the fact that all of those are ultra-processed foods. 
it's not even close to possible that there is a protein powder or greens powder out there or protein bar out there that exists that is falling into these other three groups of processing. Because protein powder and all of these different supplements and foods that are in a totally different form than their origination are ultra processed in order to get there. And so although someone's brain may group that food differently than something like chips or whatever else they think is ultra processed, the truth of the matter is if you're wanting to claim levels of processing, you cannot look over the fact that that food that you're eating, that that's protein powder or protein bar, is essentially the same exact thing as this other processed food. I mean, let's really think about this, you know, together. Think about a potato chip. A potato chip that is cut from a potato, because some potato chips are not cut from a potato, but most are. Potato chip that's cut from a potato, you can tell that it's sliced from a potato and then it's fried. If you were to look at that potato chip versus looking at something like protein powder, you could more easily guess what made up that potato chip than you could guess what made up that protein powder. It's harder to know. So that's just what's interesting about this type of mindset is how even sometimes these foods that we consider processed are less processed if really critically thought through than foods that are not considered processed that are in fact ultra processed like greens powders or supplements or protein powders, etc, etc. And I don't bring this up because I'm trying to be nitpicky or I'm trying to say, oh my gosh, these people should know this. I totally get why it's confusing. I also get why there is pressure to feel like you do eat in this way because of what people say about food online and because of diet culture. And I also know many of these people, I shouldn't say many, maybe some of these people could be struggling with their own versions of disordered eating or eating disorders. I mean, I know I was obsessed with clean eating and quote-unquote unprocessed foods when I had orthorexia. That's not to say that everyone that's posting these is dealing with that at all. I'm just trying to make sure that I show empathy and understanding for the reasons as to why this could be coming up. I don't want to come off as callous, but I think that it's really important to discuss this because I have clients coming to me and people in my DMs that are expressing extreme worry about how it's bad for their health to be eating quote-unquote processed things. And I don't want people to feel this confusion and this fear that then leads them to not eat things or to develop just problematic mindsets or to feel like things are overcomplicated or start fearing foods or to have increased stress in their life or however this shows up for them. I want people to be able to truly listen to what works best for them, whatever that looks like, and also hopefully to help share a perspective that some people that may feel the desire to watch or to post this type of content may not have thought about, you know, even if you want to eat this certain way, what if we didn't label it as quote-unquote unprocessed because of the fact that really that's factually incorrect? 
I wanted to bring in a couple of examples that originally came to mind with this. And Food Science Babe, or no, sorry, Food Babe. Food Science Babe is amazing. She shares all about this type of stuff and debunking these types of words and terminology. But Food Babe in Flav City on Instagram and TikTok and just everywhere are known for this type of unprocessed food, clean food type of rhetoric and for spreading so much misinformation about this stuff. And Food Science Babe actually has a video specifically talking about how Food Babe is one of the main people online that will go through and inspect all of these ingredients and say how they're supposedly toxic for you and you can't have them. And funny enough, she simultaneously came out with a product and on that product, there is a proposition label that says and warns people that if they are going to consume this product, know that there is a chance of being exposed to lead. Now, I'm not going to say that we have to stress about that specific proposition label, but what I'm trying to point out is the fact that that is a 100% something that on another product she would freak out about, and yet she's selling that product as her own. So why would that be? Flav City is very well known for going through and looking at products and saying that a product is awful. There is actually a stitch that I have on my account, and I'll include these videos that I'm discussing. There's a stitch I have on my account from a guy that goes through and writes down different notes and rules from Bobby's different videos, who is Flav City, by the way. That's his real name. Bobby is Flav City, the account. And for example, there'll be an ingredient where he says, oh, this is horrible, carrageenan, for example. And then he'll go to this other product that he considers healthy, quote unquote, and it will have carrageenan in it, but because he likes it, it's fine in that product. There are constant contradictions, and that's the thing about this type of mindset around food. It creates fear that really isn't necessary, because if there are foods that you genuinely just don't feel like you want to consume or don't feel like they make you feel best, that's up to you. I'm big on autonomy and allowing people to decide what they want to do. And what people choose to do is not always going to be the same as what I choose to do because we're all different people. We all have different backgrounds. I don't know why I just said background so funny. And that's important to keep in mind. Yet at the same time, I feel it's better for people to at least have access to the correct education around certain things. So if you decide, oh, I really want to avoid processed foods, and you tell people you avoid processed foods, then hopefully learning this information can give you a bigger perspective on what it is that you're actually thinking you're avoiding by avoiding processed foods. Because I would assume that you are probably not avoiding foods that are cut or foods that are washed or foods that are heated. You're probably even not avoiding foods like cheese or dairy or bread and thinking that those are processed. 
I would assume that the processing is likely coming from certain ingredients that you don't think are ideal or from foods that you feel like are further away from their natural state in a way that you don't particularly enjoy. And that is actually what you're trying to share when sharing that you don't eat processed foods. It's that you don't like certain ingredients or there are certain types of food that you choose to avoid. And if that's the choice that you want to make. Again, I'm not telling you not to make that choice. I mean, I would always suggest evaluating if it really is what feels best for you. But again, I'm not even saying you have to do that. I'm saying that it helps everybody if we have a more accurate depiction about what you're actually doing and about what it means to eat quote-unquote unprocessed or what a processed food actually is. Now, on the other hand, if you're someone that's had a lot of fear around these type of videos because you've thought, oh my gosh, well, what if I need to eat unprocessed? Everybody's eating unprocessed and I'm not eating unprocessed and, and what do I need to take out and what is a processed food? And, you know, you start going through that kind of spiral. I really hope that this brings you comfort in the fact that First of all, avoiding processed foods is not something anybody is 100% doing. Second of all, even if there are people that are avoiding certain types of processed foods, there isn't any reason for you to need to do that. We're going to do an episode on a lot of the areas that bring up fear around processed food, such as GMOs, and we've done one on seed oils, and we've done one on gluten, and we've done one on dairy, and wait, have we done one on dairy? Actually, I don't think we have. I need to do a dairy podcast. But we're going to break down all these different kind of layers to the fear around processed foods over time, but The truth of the matter is what's most important is listening to what works for you. And if something is ever bringing you stress, then it's not something that is the most aligned for you. Because when we're in our healthiest place with food and exercise and body image and our wellness, it doesn't have stress constantly in it. It's not hard. It's not this push. It's not so uncomfortable. It may be at certain points to get to the place that you want to be. I mean, for example, if you've struggled with an eating disorder, you're trying to get to a healthy relationship with food. There's going to be some discomfort along the way. But once you achieve that end goal, it shouldn't feel super hard and super uncomfortable and super stressful. So if you've been sitting here feeling stressed and comparing yourself to these videos and questioning what you should and shouldn't be doing and shouldn't should not be eating that shows you that it is not something that you should be exploring. And I don't think that anyone needs to be exploring cutting out processed foods. Even these foods that are considered to be ultra-processed, there's so much variation to them. And also, my mindset is that all foods can fit at different periods of time and all foods nourish us in different ways. And it's just about finding that balance. I know that that word is so cliche, but it's true. Finding that balance, that cadence, that really feels the best for your body. So when it comes to the what I eat in a days with no processed food and the very strong rhetoric that often goes along with these, please 
please remember that what you see online is not always factual. Even if the person doesn't have poor intentions, it doesn't always mean it's helpful. And also, you have to listen to what works for you no matter what. And usually, 99% of the time, social media is not a great place to figure that out because of all the comparison that it ends up creating. I also think that's an important point that I want to quickly touch on that I touch on a ton in the very first What I Eat in a Day episode, but thinking about how often you may be comparing to the way that someone looks over actually comparing to what they eat, What I Eat in a Day's often bring up a lot of comparison because people will be sharing some physical element to them And even if they are not trying to say, oh, eat this way to look like me, there can be an element of that if they're body checking or if they're trying to show, I fixed my skin doing this or if they're just really pretty. I mean, whatever it may be, there is often this element of comparing to how that person looks, comparing to their lifestyle or perceived lifestyle, comparing to the type of feelings that they're telling us that they have or successes that they've obtained. That idea that the way that someone eats can bring about what they have is really real and it pressures us more than we often imagine when it comes to interacting with this content. So if you struggle to navigate what I eat in a days in general, not even just in this topic in particular, We talk about that a lot in the first episode, so you can definitely check that out, but I feel like continuously it's just important to remember that you can never become someone else. You can never look exactly like someone else. You can never live exactly like someone else. So doing things to try to achieve that is really only going to leave you feeling unfulfilled. I hope that this episode was helpful. I am kind of excited because this is the first episode in a while where we've been able to rank this on a scale of 1 to 10 of diet cultureness. That's not a word, but we're going to make it a word. If you've never been here for our scale ranking, 0 is no diet culture at all. 10 is the most diet culture possible. And what I eat in a day is with no processed foods are going to be at a 9. Now, I'm not trying to say that every what I eat in a day that I've seen under this topic is a nine. I'm saying that the concept in and of itself is a nine. And the reason why I think that is because diet culture is all about misinforming and complicating nutrition and wellness. And this trend is a great example of that because it's really due to mostly confusion around what a term actually means. And also, there have been so many really judgmental takes in some of these videos that I've seen. I mean, some of the terminology that people use, such as no junk or trash on my plate, is just so sad. And it's so judgmental of people that can't afford to buy these certain types of food that others are buying and it just gives me a super, super icky feeling when I see stuff like that. I could talk about this topic with you guys all day, but I'm going to let you go because I'm trying to keep this on the shorter side. If you did enjoy this episode, it would mean the world to me if you decided to give it our rating or review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. 
or if you shared it with someone that you thought may enjoy it or if you shot me a DM and told me your feedback. I just really want to make sure that the podcast is always beneficial to you guys and that we're going through topics that resonate and that are helping you out. So if you ever have a topic idea that you want to see, you can always submit that. There's a link in the show notes along with a link to my Instagram, a link to that free webinar that I mentioned, and a few other things that you can check out. So thank you again for joining me and I will see you guys next week. Bye guys.